Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught Offside from just outside of New York City from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York. Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. What's up, brother? Hey, Andrew, and uh, another weekend in the world of football. And even on an FA Cup weekend, which have... The Cup has definitely lost its luster, there's, there's no question, but it, it got a serious uh, jolt of, of uh, invigoration from, from Maidstone United this weekend. It sure did. That was, that was really, really fun. Um, and actually, our plan right now, later in this podcast, is, is to have a member of that team on this show. Ah. Connor Kelly. An American, one of the remaining Americans in the FA Cup, he's going to join us. So I, I can't wait. Listen, wherever there's action happening, there's always a kid from New Jersey stuck in the middle somewhere. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's, that'll that's be like a, a lot rule. of fun. That that'll be a lot of fun talking with Connor Kelly, who's on that Maidstone United side, about just the what this has been like, how surreal this has been uh, to see this little club's name and lights around the world the way that it is. I, I can't really fathom what that must be like. Uh, so we'll hear from the inside on what that's like. So we'll talk that FA Cup stuff. Um, Javi, there's, I mean, I, I was thinking about it, JJ. So for for an American sports fan who is also a fan of soccer, the way that I am, mm. I can't remember in my life, in such a condensed period of time, coaching changes to the level that I have just seen. From Belichick to Nick Saban to Pete Carroll to right. Jurgen Klopp, to Xavi at Barcelona. Like, this has been the sort of coaching whirlwind that I don't think – I mean, has this happened before? Like, I know in college basketball a couple of years ago, you kind of had like, you know, over a couple of years, Roy Williams, Coach K, Jay Wright, Jim Beheim, like yeah. a, a turnover of the old of the old guard. But like this – like, I mean, Belichick's probably the – he might be the greatest ever. Saban might be the greatest college coach ever. Um, you know, Klopp and Xavi, like that's Barcelona and Liverpool's managers. Yeah. like. 
it's it's just been unbelievable the coaching I mean, changes if uh if aaron boone isn't sat in his <laughs> recliner singing i am the great survivor then <laughs> after these last few days then i don't know uh what's going on yeah it's it's i mean a lot of what you're saying there uh is age kind of age reliant um you know Pete carroll I mean, Pete Carroll's in tremendous shape, and don't get me wrong, and he, I'm, I'm sure he will contribute somewhere or in some capacity. Um, he didn't, he didn't want to leave. No, he didn't. I know, but Pete Carroll doesn't look like he like just chewing gum on the sideline, walking up and down, hands on hips. Like I, I expected to Pete, Pete Carroll to age right into like Tom Coughlin, like into that kind of mold. Um, it is always surprising when you hear how old he is. What is he yeah. like seventy? Three or seventy four, something like that. It is. It's like I, I suppose to you know he's he's got the good hair. Um, he's seventy two. Like, I don't mean to age yeah. him. He's seventy two. No. I mean it's it's still. If you told me he was sixty two, I'd say yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's, he's even like fifty eight. He could be late fifties. That guy <laughs> easily. He could be. I mean, he's he's stress chewing his way to to excellent health. Um, but <laughs> but those guys were like age reliant. When you when you. When you see Xavi and 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 to a lesser extent, I guess Klopp, uh, just kind of hang it up, then it's it's kind of more shocking. And Belichick, at some point, had to go. It's it's amazing to me though. Um, again, at this time where we see uh, ownerships deified in the NFL before players and coaches, um, it's I don't know about that deified, unbelievable. By who? See, before players and Jim- coaches. Yes, getting trophies, receiving them, and asking how oh, much oh. this feel for you. Oh, yeah, in this... that way. But I thought you meant fans being like, "No, no, no, no." But I cannot. Let's, I... let's put, let's knock down a Brady statue and get a craft one up there. Like no, no one's saying that. No one's saying that. But the owner, this owners is... are beloved. But that's true in any of ownership in in soccer too. Owners uh, can be beloved. A slight tangent here. They should not be receiving the trophies before the people. I agree with getting, that. Getting the tra- concussions. No, okay. a, a thousand percent. The ca- either the team captain or I'll give you the, even even the coach. My yes. preference would be the captain of the, of the team should oh, receive a, a trophy. Thousand per- a thousand percent. It's they so did odd it. and jarring to see these ghouls come <laughs> up and receive before. And there's always some toothy blonde woman behind them. Just, just like this is her time to shine. Whoever she is, Aunt, yeah. Aunt, Aunt Mabel or whatever. But um. Sorry, but uh, you, you know Belichick has to go, but no one's asking about Kraft, who is ancient himself. Um, how does he continue to be directing football operations? Jerry Jones equally with his progeny around him. Like I always find that weird. Hey, that old guy on the sideline, he's no good, but I'm old. I'll still get to make all the decisions. That's a great point. That's a Jesus. great point. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, this is a slight tangent. Can, can can I do some housekeeping before we get into Jabby oh. et, et al. and Mason sure, and everything? Sure. Yeah, guys. Uh, f- Friday, a German man who I love very much definitely in- uh, interrupted my uh, getting your t-shirts out. So, um, so I apologize for that. Wait, wait, wait. How so? Because we did we a show, or we recorded then... a we recorded a podcast, and then afterwards, I think I needed like to recover from what I talked about. Uh, but the the t-shirts are on their way and you should all get emails as they get as the shipping labels are made and, and go out there and I'll be at this I'll be at this all day and all day tomorrow afterwards so your t-shirts they're on their way don't get concerned can I make um I'm not funneling your money into like uh, South American gorillas or anything like that this is this money is staying for us and you're getting your t-shirts calm okay. down uh, can I throw something out there that could be helpful to the people who are getting T-shirts who who haven't ordered one yet? So I got a large, or you you got you sent me a large. Yeah. Um, 
which is normally what I probably would have gotten. I think oh. it's a large, large. I think it's a longer long. If I if I get another one, which I probably will, I think I'll go medium with my next one. I'm like okay, six. Interesting. I'm like I'm like six. To, just for pers- perspective's sake, for people who are wanting to know what size to get, I'm about six to like one eighty five, eighty six. What? What do you mean? You're taller than me. Yeah, I'm like I'm six one and three quarters is what I always get measured at. Oh, so I, I round see, up and say six two. Of course you is do. That, is that okay? Should <laughs> I? Not, the, so you want ladies. me to say six one and three quarters? I, I want accuracy on this. I don't want you rounding up to try and give yourself a. Some That's kind like of something little norm. kids do when you like when you ask a little kid how old they are. I'm six and a half. Like at, at what point? At some point, you stop saying at a half. All right, I'm 39 years old, not 39 and a half. You don't need. I'm I'm six two. All right, I'm six one and three quarters and about 185. I fluctuate somewhere. My weird body syndrome flares up every once in a while. Um, so just know I got a large, and I I thought it was a little bit of a large large. Huh? All right, so maybe that's helpful if people are trying to figure out what size they should get. I, I, they fit really nicely and they're super comfortable. Um, uh, so I like I was wearing the the black and white one, which is okay. very popular. I was wearing it around the house, uh, and I rarely stop and say say anything of this weird to myself. Oh. But I went, hmm, this is a comfortable t shirt. <laughs> nice. nice. No, I did. I also to have those moments. I also did what Costanza did. I I I uh, I, I felt the fabric. Yeah, Gore-Tex. <laughs> um, yeah, so get get your shirts, get your shirts, everybody. And by the mm. way, I will not, I won't have to bother anyone anymore about going to vote for the sports podcast awards because voting the door has shut. And I hope you all did. I guess we're going to find out. Only time will tell now if you all did your. Ain't job. no way, ain't no way. We're getting close to Gary Neville. There's no would, chance. Yeah. And the, the category was stacked. I, it was. Oh. It's so uh, we, cliche to say, listen, but it's an listen, honor just to have been nominated. In the spirit of this podcast, we were the Maidstone United of that. Group. Oh yeah, and we, and we wear that badge proudly. Um, let's see. Let's get into it, JJ. There's a lot to discuss here, um, even on FA Cup weekend, which sometimes for us slows down a little bit. But uh, uh-uh. because like I said, the the managerial carousel continues in such a huge way as one of the world's biggest clubs will be looking for a new manager after Xavi in the wake of just the most. Bonker. La Liga has delivered some MLS crazy games this season. Like MLS usually gives us some wild six threes and four twos. La Liga has delivered that this year. Brimming it, with brimming with goalkeeping ineptitude, as you often uh, point out. I don't know that I've ever used those words. Uh, um, but La Liga has given us some absolute gems, and this might be the pick of the bunch so far. 5-3, Barcelona go down two goals, storm back to take a 3-2 lead. They're controlling the game. Like This one, this one must have been particularly frustrating because it felt like, to a certain extent, Villarreal had like five chances and scored on all of them. <laughs> yeah. like This game very much had that feel. Barcelona, even after, you know, even after it got to 3-3, like that was such a gut punch. Barcelona were in such control. They came all the way back and very all sort of against the run of play, get the third goal to tie it. And it seemed like Barcelona had sort of settled themselves and they were the ones pushing on to retake the lead. There was a handball in the box that was called. Then VAR took it away. And then two more chances opened up deep, way deep into stoppage time. And very all scored on both of them. And it was just, it was just such a hammer blow to this season for Barcelona. And even more so as we came to find out, in the aftermath, I remember, so the game ended, JJ, and I saw, I don't know if it was Sidlow, one of the the journalists who covers La Liga, who was, I guess, waiting for Xavi to come out and speak, 
they wrote something on Twitter like, it's been 90 minutes and we're still yeah. waiting. And when that happens, I mean, that doesn't happen for no reason. That means no. conversations are going on behind the scenes. And sure enough, Javi then came out and announced that he would be leaving at the end of the season. Yeah, I, and Sid Law's piece in The Guardian, that's the piece you have to go and read. If it, you, you really do. I, I've ne- Sometimes a piece of writing really gives you like not just detail, but a, like a mood <laughs> and a sense of what's happening. This is a guy who's looking at um, what he's tried to achieve at Barcelona, realizes he hasn't imp- impacted the culture. He hasn't impacted the, the, the team. He's tired. He's irritable. He's, he wants out. Um, and, and, for someone who is, we're talking about being deified, for someone who is basically part uh, of a a number of players that define an era. When someone says Xavi, Xavi version Barcelona, you know, we know exactly who he's talking about. We can see them play. We can see him play. He is so inextricably linked with this club. Um, but it has worn him down. And for someone like him, to to make this decision, to not have this decision made for him, to not want to see it out to its end, it, it, it's 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 amazing. And um, but no, I mean, uh, I, I I just want to read this uh, first first piece from from Sid. Mm-hmm. Uh, Javi said the decision had been made days ago, and it wasn't really a surprise. He had explicitly linked his continuity to Barcelona winning trophies, and then watched one by one as they lost them defeated by Girona in the league, Real Madrid in the Super Cup final, and Athletic in the Copa del Rey, conceding four in all of them. Three days earlier, he had talked about a new era beginning without him, and one day before he said uh, he had little time left. At that point, they were 10 points off the top, not even the best team in Catalonia, let alone Spain. Hmm. No one expected him to continue next season. Not many wanted him to either. Oof, that is... I read that too, and that is such a harsh line. it's um it's it's a horrible job it's it 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 stinks and like sid does in the piece that like the like bridging the four year gap of, of not winning the league and winning the league what was no doubt significant like he does say that that mattered um but they had t-shirts printed that said the future uh uh the cup is ours the league is ours now and so is the future something along those lines i'm paraphrasing yeah. That is not happening. That has not come to pass. And it's 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 increasingly hard, it seems to be uh it seems to me to be a manager at Barcelona. Um now. Well always, now. always because always. It, it is the world's biggest club. Um it's their expectations broken, their expectations are so high, but even even now, among, like this for a for a job that is always difficult, this is a particularly difficult moment to be dealing with this club and to be the manager of this club. I mean, like their financial problems are, are obviously well-documented. They're still trying to see their way out of a post messy era, the greatest player in the, in the club's history, maybe in the sports history, they're dealing with a, the, a possible referee scandal that's kind of hang hung over them for a, a year or so. They're not playing in their own stadium, you know, like ma- managers with decades of experience, might be struggling to find their way through this, let alone a guy who, who's only ever managed in Qatar before this. Now, I don't mean to minimize him. Like I told you, watch the Barcelona documentary. I think it was Netflix. Like 
they talked to everyone on there. This is before Xavi got the job. They're just talking about the Barcelona way and the history and all that. It's really good. But chapter and verse, guy after guy says, yeah, Xavi's going to manage this club. He was built for this. He was made for this. You know, so like, I'm not saying that like he didn't deserve it or he didn't earn it, but he didn't he didn't come into this with the kind of experience that even like. No, uh, you know, Alex Ferguson would be struggling <laughs> in a situation. Uh, like that. I mean, I mean, look at look look at how uh, Sid lays out what Javi has said about the job. He described the job as cruel and unpleasant, where no one respects you, your work underappreciated. Leaving was a liberation, he said, even if he has to wait to be finally freed. "Quote: It wears you down terribly in terms of health, of mental health, your mood, your emotional state." I am a positive guy, but the energy goes down, down, down until the point at which you say it makes no sense. Who who in God's name would want this job except someone who can come in, uh, do, uh, do it for a while and know there's a payout at the end of it when they get sacked? Like there's no, there's no legend of the club now will look at that and think, I want a part of that. I want to be involved in this. Um, it's broken one of their iconic players. Broken him. Yeah, it feels like a... It feels like a job, and we will get into what the future holds for the club and for Xavi, but it doesn't feel like the kind of job that an established great man, like, what you know, that echelon of manager that, like, no. they like Mourinho bounces from Chelsea to Madrid to Inter. Like, you reach that echelon where you only manage great clubs. It doesn't feel to me like one of those guys would want this job. This feels like a job to me that an up-and-comer, like a Deserby, someone like that maybe, who would want to prove himself that he's one of those guys. It feels uh, like it, it would be that guy that would take this, not someone who's already in that tier. I I be I've been thinking about um about what managers would take this now. And I kinda I I kinda think like a Lopetegi style figure. A guy who has bounced around a few jobs, has had definite successes where he's been, but is random to Barcelona and is not necessarily best in class. So just as Barca's signing have uh, Barca's like playing staff signings have been weird, random, and often like budget signings over the last few years, I see the managers from now on being in that vein. This is not. I don't think if you're a top manager, unless you're a top manager who desperately needs a rehabilitation story, why would you go there? Why would you go there? Now, yeah, yeah. I mean they've still managed to couple cobble together a quarter of a billion for him to spend and it, and still things haven't been right. But, yeah, but there's weirdness even to that, which I think bleeds into some of his reasoning for wanting to go. I mean, just how much control does he have? You know, I was reading um, Dermot Corrigan has a good piece about all this up at The Athletic and, you know, he talks about like some of what he writes leads you to wonder just how how strong does Javi's voice get heard in that place? Like it is between Deco, Laporta, like that's the thing. Take this back to the original appointment of Xavi. Like when Laporta was running for election to be Barcelona's president, he was running against Victor Font and Xavi and Font were tied at the hip. Yeah. So like basically, I mean, Xavi was almost campaigning against Laporta getting this position. Laporta ends up getting elected. But like, even though they had overlap between Laporta's first in as Barcelona president and Xavi there as a player, that does not mean that they were close. And I think that that continued. It seems like their relationship was fine. I think they had a good enough working relationship. But, you know, Dermot points out there's there are things that Javi wanted where he just wasn't it wasn't 
honored. Uh, he, you know, we, yeah. you and I, JJ, have talked about like Oriol Romeo. We're like, okay, he's fine. Is he a Barcelona <laughs> player? Javi did, that was not Javi's guy. He wanted somebody like he he trusted Busquets. Busquets is leaving to go to Inter Miami to play with Messi and Jordi Alba. And Javi knows we don't have a holding midfielder. I need a good one. There was talk of he wanted maybe Joshua Kimmich to come in and play that position. And they go out and because of financial issues, it's Romeo yeah. at three right. and a half million. You know, like that's not what Javi wanted. Javi Martin Braithwaite. Yeah, I mean, like he, there's reports he didn't want, and not just reports. He's kind of said as much. Jao Felix, um, Jao Cancelo, those were not guys that that he wanted, uh, but they were brought in nevertheless. So, yeah, like it's an already difficult job. It becomes more difficult with everything they're dealing with. It becomes even more difficult when the pieces you want aren't being given to you. I'm not saying that Javi was blameless in this. You know, he's 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 a fiery figure. You know, I think he's made some comments about guys on the team, about the way the team's playing at times that maybe oh my in, God, a, yeah. in his next role, whatever that is, maybe he would do things a little bit differently. Um, he's not blameless, but man, oh man, I, I do think that this job is is an exceedingly difficult job. There's a lot of them out there. We always say Real Madrid is is also kind of up this vein where the expectation is to win every single time you play and to do it beautifully. Barcelona holds that same expectation. It's hard. It's just it's just a very it's a hard I thing to live up to in a world where you where they can't really spend the way that they were accustomed to or or in the past maybe didn't need to because they had Messi for God's sake who probably papered I, over so many of their cracks. I wonder if if we're what we're seeing now is is like the decline that Simon Cooper talked about after Messi left and the general state of the club when we interviewed him that time. I was thinking that too. He compared them to what Manchester United were dealing with post Sir Alex right like that was kind of what he laid yeah, out as their future could look like yes and he said well he gave us two ends of it he said worst case uh, best case scenario it is the Sir you know United obviously you know clubs like United and Barcelona they don't die they don't go away they 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 exist but often they exist in a diminished state as United are right now and as Barcelona clearly are entering that that phase right now or if they're not already in it deep in it um he, and he said at the other end it would be Leeds United. But I think... Oh, my God. I, yeah. I think... I hate I hate the idea of too big to fail, but I do think there's there are now... I mean, you've got Wall Street involved. You've got Spotify involved. There's too many big interests in there to let this thing go to completely to pot. But I don't think... Like, the era of them, that, that period from... And and again, I I will admit there were ups and downs in this period too. But we'll say from like Cruyff in '92, all the way through to uh, 2015, and Enrique's um, Jose Enrique's um, uh, Champions League win. Luis so Enrique. I, sorry, Jose Luis Enrique. Uh, that's gone. That yeah. Barcelona's gone. Yeah. But- it does feel that way. It doesn't mean that there won't be moments again of of glory for them. It's Barcelona, but you know, expecting it year in year out is going to be hard for them to deliver on. And meanwhile, that expectation remains in its wake, which is which is what makes it so difficult. Yeah, you know, I was thinking though about like this specific instance of of Xavi determining now to leave. I do wonder. So there's still what four months to go, kind of in in the season. Like, I do wonder a little bit. Not saying that. He didn't doesn't have valid reasons like that guy. He he, you can see it. He's wearing the stress of this and has been for quite some time. Um, But but I can't help but think like. Like they're in a they're in a low ebb here. 
And I, I hope he's not making an emotional reaction to a, no, a I don't particularly so. bad. Mo- well, like, but think of what the last two weeks have been like. They're coming off three really unusually difficult losses four one in a cup final defeat to Real Madrid, where we talked about how upset he was over that game, how he apologized repeatedly to the fans for that loss. They come right back off of that with a four, two defeat to athletic Bilbao where they go out of the Copa del Rey. So that's now two cups gone in a week vanished. And then this, a five, three horrifying defeat at home. They give up five goals at home, home in quotes for the first time in 60 years. You know, they they throw it away. They had a lead in the 84th minute. They give up three goals from the 84th minute on. I mean, basically ends their their chances of winning in the league. So that's kind of two cups in a league basically lost in the span of two weeks. This is a horrible moment for him and for the club. But like the dust of this moment will potentially, we'll see, but it, it could settle. They could refocus a little bit and we're not going to win the league. We're in the Champions League. What happens if they beat Napoli and they're into the quarters of the Champions League? Like, I do wonder, not that I'm going to, not that I'm expecting him to change his mind, but I, I do wonder if there's a path to reconsidering if they, I, if they gather themselves after this, this is like, this is honest, like this is to lose three games like they just have and the stress of it. It's, this is an emotion, a potentially emotional reaction that is happening here. Um, no, I don't think so. I okay. think like, cause, cause he's, he, the way, the way he's spoken, uh, this is you're definitely right. It's it's emotional in the sense that uh, this is my breaking point, but he clearly doesn't see a way that it gets better. He's massively frustrated with his playing staff that they don't do the things he wants them to do. That he can't they can't pass the ball the way he wants them to pass the ball. He this is this is a guy who's just he's given it his all. He's he's seen some success, but he realizes this generally and overall is trending downwards. And he also has the bigger picture. Picture He has a holistic view of the whole club and he doesn't like what he sees and he's out. That's it. That's it. Um, he's not coming back, Andrew. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're probably right. I would assume you're right. And, and I think it's, it's probably not just for reasons like that, but like his control over the team, this was from Dermot's piece in the athletic. Like this is kind of some of the stuff that Javi was dealing with uh, Dermot. Corrigan writes, when Barca qualified for the Champions League knockout rounds for the first time in three seasons in the autumn, Xavi wanted to take the opportunity to rest some players for the final game at Antwerp, especially 30, uh, 30-somethings Robert Lewandowski and Ilkay Gundogan. But the club's board were worried about the immediate 2.8 million euros in prize money that came from winning three more points. The coach's decision was overruled. Lewandowski and Gundogan played, and the team lost the game anyway. You know, stuff like that. You know, I'm guessing... Like, then on the heels of that, I'm guessing like the 4 million euros that they made in their trip to Dallas during the team's winter break, like that God. probably didn't do wonders in boosting morale either. No. Um, you know, just like the way the club is being managed in this moment where money is everything. You know, two point Barcelona, like basically making the lineup for the manager because of three extra points that they could earn themselves um, to get... 2.8 million more euros 2.8 million euros and they're to dictating barcelona. to the manager this is barcelona like yeah well that's and that's exactly the environment in which a guy like javi can't operate yeah also this is all alien to him because however there was always chaos that are not chaos there was always tensions the way those clubs are run having presidential elections and things like that and not just a single entity owner there's there there that appears to make it a, a fertile ground for political infighting. I'm sure that always all was there during his time as a player, but it probably didn't affect him at all. He just had to go out and play ball, 
And he but it's affected more. managers forever, though. If it's, you're right, it exactly. I mean, like like Sid Lowe wrote, what was what was Pep's quote on his way out? I I have to go before before we but, hate each other. Before we fo- hate each other. Yeah, he 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 wanted to stay in like the good graces of the fans and the club and and the, the general club um, uh, body, and he just saw. To but go. Before we hurt each other, I think. Was before we hurt yeah, each other, hurt. yeah. You know, Luis Enrique talked about how tired he was. You know, there's the famous, there's the press conference, um, uh, in the pet. Oh, who was the the uh, LVG? His press conference blowing oh. up at the media and like yeah. it's just it's that it's could so, just be LVG. <laughs> but I do think that that job brings that out and. In in all who occupy that post, it's just a, sure. it's a really it's be, really it, difficult job. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens next and who goes in there. But I feel it's going to be more of a, a journeyman manager than a than a kind of a icon. Yeah, I'm wondering about like again, like someone. This might be a little too low, but you know, Andoni Iraola. Like, keep your eye on how Bournemouth oh, season yeah. progresses. You know, somebody with Spanish. He'd roots. be a fool. He'd be a fool making his Take- way in the richest league in the world to be to be hauled back to officiate over that mess where he doesn't have control. A fool. Which is which is exactly how I feel about the person at the center of the most prominent rumors, Mikel Arteta, where basically the report a report came out um so Sky wrote this. Sky Sports had this on their website. Spanish publication uh Diario Sport reported the Spaniard Arteta had informed his entourage that he was open to exiting the Emirates following the conclusion of the current campaign <laughs> amid ongoing links to the post at Barcelona. Does anyone that does that 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 sounds completely made up. So Arteta was furious. Oh, he I gives bet. his press conference. He says that's totally fake news. What you read yesterday, I don't know where it came from, but it's totally untrue, and I'm very upset about it. I couldn't believe it. It has no sources. I'm embracing a journey with this club, and there's a long way still to go. Like I believe Arteta, um, and if I'm him, I'm not leaving Arsenal for the uncertainty of this situation and the stress of this situation at Barcelona. I'm just not, especially you know, like Arsenal, for whatever this season, they're plateauing a little bit from obviously what they were last year. Sure. But I still consider them somewhat of a club on the ascent. I think that they're becoming a destination team again, where where players are going to want to go. Um, there's so much uncertainty about what the future holds for Manchester City with all the allegations that they're facing. Things could be opening up. Klopp's about to leave Liverpool. We don't know what, you know, I still think Liverpool can be a great club. I think Xabi Alonso will be know. great. But we don't know. There's a lot of uncertainty there. Like, there's a moment here where things are opening up potentially a little bit at the top of this league and Arsenal, whoever, anybody could could fill that void. So I'm not leaving that. I would not leave it's, that it's for a, this situation. It's an amazing uh, scenario where I think stick with the Cronkies is a better option than, 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 well, and go rock uh, out with Spotify. hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. And then obviously the, the other part of this is what the future looks like for Xavi himself. Now he won a title in La Liga. Like he can manage again if he wants to. And I think he, I mean, he's what 40, is he 42? I forget mm. it. He's a young man. Um, However, like like we talked about, that echelon of guys who have managed a big club and then stay in that tier and just bounce around from those clubs, I don't know if he's I don't know if he is in that group. Like he could. No. He could get a job at one of those other clubs, but I don't know that that's an automatic necessarily. You you could see him you could see him going in at a it's funny, you could see him going in at a at, at not a I, I don't believe a top six team in the Premier League, but like you could see him in the Premier League. I, like, I, if, I feel... uh, like if Unai Emery left Villa, 
what, what do we consider yeah. Newcastle? If it doesn't work for Eddie Howe, management gets upset. Yeah. You know what? I could see, yeah, I could see Newcastle. Something like that. Especially if the owner suddenly had style of play concerns, then then maybe. I don't know yeah. what he does. It was it was a weird it's it's been such a weird trajectory. You're managing, you're kicking it around in Qatar, and the next thing you're manager of Barcelona. Uh, it could only happen to an ex-Barcelona player, and I f- and I fully believe that that's the last we'll see of ex-Barcelona players of that stature trying to fix this club. Like from that team, who else is there? Like, who could be lured? Like they all know now, right. <laughs> and if they don't know, they've got someone to talk to. How'd you get on there, Mess? Don't go near it. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, yeah, it's sad. It's disappointing when you see club legends, and it, it sometimes ends this way. It, that's the risk. You know, we saw it a little bit with Lampard and Chelsea. It's not always, it's not always going to be how it was. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, but he's still there. He still has the rest of the season. They could win the, they could win the Champions League. I, I don't think they will. Not my pick. But would it, would you be shocked if they beat Napoli in the round of sixteen? Uh, I don't think they will. I wouldn't be shocked, but I don't think they will. No, I'll pick. You know what? I'll pick them to win that. I think maybe there could be a little bit of settling of nerves now. Javi doesn't have to answer all these questions about his let's future. See. Like, let's it, let's see how let's see how Napoli get out of this win, of this transfer window first. Well, okay. well, they're keeping their guys through this window. Well, there we but go. Beyond then, that, thought... but beyond that, they're not. Osimhen is gone. We we know this. He's I decided know. already. He just hasn't. He has. Well, the social media, the, the social media side of Napoli has decided he will be moved on. Well, from... he's said, pretty much said as much too. He said yeah. that he's decided. Like the, I don't know. He's not going to be there next year. It seems pretty pretty clear. Um, so that's job. You have anything else on that before? No, nah, not really. All right. Um, so there you go. We move on now from that to uh, some of the weekend's FA Cup action, JJ and. I mean, a few games of note, but one that I don't think wasn't supposed to be. Manchester United survive a major scare versus Newport. Um, as you, yeah, and I mean, Newport have nice. Uh, they've had a nice little run in the in the cup. Uh, the last few years have caused problems for Tottenham. Gave City a scare. They beat somebody. Can't remember. Oh, they beat Leicester. They knocked Leicester out. Um, so you know they've had they've they've been the closest thing to giant killers. I guess we've had for a while. Yeah. Um, but this was this was United. They, United scored uh, two nice goals. They looked to be looked to be cruising. Uh, Bruno Fernandes scored a great goal, and then uh, Kobe Mino with a nice finish too. And then it all fell apart. Bryn Morris with a rocket, and then Will Evans, mm-hmm. and it's two two. And things are looking looking like they're going to be a bit of fun. Uh, and then Anthony and Rasmus Hoyland restored order. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't. I mean, it wasn't good. It wasn't a good performance. Ten Hag complained about the pitch. Uh, felt it was mostly a good performance, except, you know, conceding two goals to Newport County. Um, but, yeah, it was... I mean, United's team was was strong. I, I think it's, a you know, 4-2. That's, to me, that's a solid... They got they got the job done. But, like, the fact that it was 2-2 at all, we decided when you have Varane, Mar- uh, Martinez, Casemiro... Fernandez, Anthony, Garnacho, Hoyland. Like that's, no, it's, you should be. You should it's be not doing. a game that you walk away feeling good about. It's just not. United are, are desperately I, searching for that moment where they can just like. United don't have those games where they can look back and think, ah, something clicked. That hasn't, that hasn't happened yet. But I, I you know, for all that, um, it feels like stuff off the field was what dominated, certainly what dominated the press conference afterwards. Here's Eric Ten Hag fielding questions fielding them, parrying away questions 
about uh, Marcus Rashford. Can you clarify the situation with Marcus Rashford? What, what sense? Well, uh, he was photographed in, in Belfast and his training. Was Ill. So, oh, so, so he, he reported ill for the rest of his internal matter. I deal with it. Why is, it, why is it an internal matter? Sorry, Eric. Why is it an internal matter that he's just done well? As I said, it's an internal matter. You can understand that raises more questions than answers. If, um, no. if a face value, he wasn't. No. No. Star striker, the face of the football club, acting like this. This is unbelievable. And how how he deals with it is going to be interesting because he slapped down Jadon Sancho very harshly over what was uh, a back and forth on social media where he said something in a press conference and then Jadon Sancho responded via social media basically calling him a liar uh, and then the next thing that metastasized into this massive freezing out of one of their most expensive assets and his eventual move to to Borussia Dortmund. And Ten Hag sounds like he's going to come across, um, you know, he's saying it's an internal matter and I will deal with it, but um, I, this, is a, this is a headache he does not need. No, no. And you're right, there is pressure on him for how he deals with this now, because this is not Rashford's first offense. You know, Ten Hag was clear earlier this season. He was, people could agree or disagree, but all that matters is how the manager feels. He was not happy when Marcus Rashford was seen out at a club following yeah. Manchester City's beatdown of United um, in the Derby. Uh, you know, the games where Rashford, like his, his effort level was in question, then didn't start. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, it's been, it's not just a, blip here like this is now kind of a full season of this Rashford process here though like did he think I'll just go to Belfast so here I mean here's the this is from the Guardian Rashford reported ill for training on Friday hours after allegedly being pictured at a nightclub in Belfast the 26 year old England striker is reported to have attended Thompson's Garage nightclub on Thursday before flying home by private jet on Friday morning Rashford traveled to Northern Ireland on Wednesday to visit his former United youth teammate Roshan Williams who recently signed for the domestic champions, Larna. Uh, Ten Hag ruled uh, Rashford out of the side's trip to Newport on Friday because of illness. Now, I guess the question is, is the illness, is that true? Or is that being used as a, was this really a suspension? Or was he was the illness because he was hung over and they saw yeah. that? I don't know exactly. I know the media were pressing Ten Hag there and he, he did what he's supposed to do. What are the? I we we played a clip there. There were like several more questions after that that yeah. we don't even include in there. All about this, where he kind of just keeps saying it's an internal matter. Are they just going to keep asking until he destroys this guy publicly? Like, is that is that the I, goal I, here? Like, he's saying this is. Don't you? Somebody, the one guy there who said you do understand that answer will only raise more questions. No, it won't. It doesn't raise more questions. That answer tells you. We know that this is not ill. This is not an illness issue. If it was an illness, they'd say he had the flu. He's sick. What do you want me to do? He can't play. No, no, no. He's saying curtly in his response, "This is an internal matter. I will handle it." Something happened. They're dealing with it. We'll see what the, the they're dealing with. It's not raising more questions. We we know. But when that but but at the t- at a time where own, uh, new owners have come o- have have bought into the club, whose sole priority is the football operation. <laughs> 
and they see this happening and everything's under review under the microscope. Ten Hag doesn't need this. Does no, not need doesn't. this. And, you know, I feel he, like such a I feel like a fool, too, because I said last year there were those games, JJ, where Bruno Fernandez was just like he was a disaster and mm. like he was yelling and like, you know, his effort effort level in I forget which match it was, but was it Liverpool? I'm trying no, to remember the now. seven, the seven nil at Liverpool. His, his effort level was embarrassing. And I remember yeah. thinking, like, give Rashford the captaincy. Like, what are they doing here? And like now you're seeing that, like, well, that doesn't appear to really be a viable option either. It's the weird thing with this, like. Rash, he's only 26, but we need to stop with that. It's his ninth year with the first team at Manchester United. He's a vet. He's an established vet for this team. They're going through a tumultuous season. He's a leader there. And instead of being someone to emulate, he's been the opposite. Alan Shearer on the BBC said he, he can't keep doing this. He can't keep wasting his talent because it's not right. He needs strong management, someone to get a hold of him and tell him there will be huge regrets come the end of the career, end of his mm-hmm. career, if he continues doing this. Um, similarly, here's uh, here's Rio Ferdinand on Five UK talking about Rashford as well. Right now, Marcus is he should be the guy that's just leading that team. There's a lot of noise around the club. You're one of the experienced players now. Keep that noise down. That's your duty. You're one of the leaders now. Like it or not, your your age, the time you've been there, you're one of the leaders. And again, I think you've got to be aware enough that when you're not doing well as a club, as a team, and you're not hitting the standards that we know you're 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 about personally, you've got to be aware, man. It's. I mean, I think that's it's kind of the way a lot of people feel, and you know, it's hard to reconcile with Rashford, JJ, because like his situation is is strange because he's done so much so much good that mm. matters so much more than any of this yes ultimately but, but does I that think if he was but does that desk... put you does that put you beyond criticism though for no, like your performances no. as an athlete no it doesn't it doesn't no you're right the, the the criticism that was wrong was where he was you know he was fighting the tories during the lockdown on 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 school dinners and that was a very noble cause um and then the criticism was well you should stop doing that you shouldn't care about things like that because it's affecting his football. Now, during that period, he also had that shoulder injury. He was struggling with an ankle injury as well. There were other contributing factors. He hit his, in his contract year, he hit he hit the ground running he, for a while. At least looked like a very focused footballer scoring a lot of goals. That ebbed away a little bit. I don't know how much he's out, but it seems a lot. Um, To the point where you're taking private jets to Belfast, like the, the weekend of a game that's, or yeah, the few that's... days before the game. That just seems like unnecessary stuff, um, and 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 a lack of a lack of focus, and definitely not leadership quality. Um, as you said, he is a veteran now. Um, Nine, it's his ninth year, and I, I granted, I know he got there at seventeen, but like. I know. It's almost a decade as like, you know, the way this stuff you should know by now, the way it works. I don't, I just wonder sometimes we see this, like, are there some guys who, who just like, don't love the game as much as the things it can give you. If that makes sense. Like, oh, the li- like the, they, they, they love the life more than they love the sport itself. And well, like, you know, I, I don't want to cast aspersions. I don't know the guy, but like Rashford's career, aside from the, Rashford is not as good as this player. Let me be clear on that before I even say his name. But like Eden Hazard's career at Chelsea was a little bit like this. It would like go back, look at his some of his stats on FB ref. Like his career seesawed. He'd have player of the season years and then he'd be invisible and then he'd be player of the season. Like 
it seesawed a little bit. And, uh-uh. you know, you wonder, like, it's it's not easy to be of that level where, like, you can maintain the focus and intensity and fitness year after year after year. Like, th- that's that's a hard thing to do. Not every guy is cut out to be able to do that. Rashford just might be another one of those kinds of guys. I also think that Rashford has been widely overrated as a footballer because he, he came into United at a time when they were lacking that one thing, which was a local kid who'd come through the ranks. There was no more class of 92 there was none of that and he came into the side scored go- goals early made a real reputation for himself came across as an all-around good guy why can't it just be that he's a decent footballer who i think united should have got rid of before this you have you've said that consistently but the the only but, reason but, I, but why can't he be a guy that just gets distracted there's things out there man he's 26 well, th- yes, I think that's more true than the fact than what than the other part of what you're saying there. I think he's an excellent footballer who gets distracted, not an okay footballer. Like I, he's more than decent to me. I, I've I've seen enough flashes from that guy, and you know, I've said this season repeatedly that I kind of feel like he's as the club will go as he does. Like I think he's good enough where he can carry them, but he gets distracted, like you said, and he's just not always all in. And also, there's there's the kind of you get to a point where he's making this amount of money. It's Newport Town in the cup. I can nip away to Belfast for like yeah, it does feel for a like few that. hours. I can I can just get away and get back. Nothing needs to happen. Uh, it's not like I'm like I'm not, I'm not going to Paris. I'm not going to Ibiza. I'm going to Belfast. It's quick, quick one over. Going to see my friend. It's naive. It's very naive. And then you see the pic the picture that he poses for. It's not one from the club. It's not one like. Oh, he's just been caught sipping a drink, or it's it's grainy or blurry. No, he's there with his friend and two two girls with them on on their knees, like and he's posing for the shot. Like it's like, and I, you know, I get it. Like Jesus, twenty six. I'm sorry, guy who's twenty six. We're I mean we're we're finding through studies and stuff about how the male brain develops and how it's it develops fully and fully formed much later than we originally thought. Twenty six. Oh my God. Uh, you just, you want to be out. You want to do everything though at 26. Like, even if you are, like, even if you're an amateur footballer, you want to play a ball on a Sunday, but you also want to be out chasing women on, on a Saturday night. You just sure. do. Yeah. That's just what, what it is. And I think this was a case. And, and I think there's been cases in the past where he's got caught out where he thinks I can get away with this. I can. And, and, you know, that's that kind of maybe that arrogance of youth or that that arrogance of status, and and now he's he's finding out that with this manager or or and with in in this current world we live in, he can't get away with these this stuff. He should know better. He yeah. should know better. But twenty six, man. Remember twenty six? Oh yeah, but I'm not a professional Lord. athlete. I don't have those I know, kinds but of that, responsibilities. But, like, but your testosterone and your hormones don't change. Like, if well, anything, it's more you're, super you're driven. Right. I'm saying that's why I said before the guys who are capable, like, you know, the guys who, who can ignore those things and just be footballing machines are probably, those are the rare ones. That's why it's it's hard to be one of those guys. I'm 41. And I still think regularly of those things and where I'd rather be on a Saturday night, but you know, circumstances, age, I, it's, I, I, I'm not making excuses. I'm just thinking he saw a window to do something that you're mad to do, but you can't usually do, and it got caught out. Yeah. Um, let's see, a couple other quick FA Cup notes. Um, JJ, Manchester City, they finally win at the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. They hadn't yet, which is 
which is very weird. Um, don't have too much on this frustrating game. Bad game. But first forty-five yeah. minutes, so yeah. it was like the, it was like everyone was in mourning for Jurgen Klopp to decide we can't, well, we can't, we can't play football after hearing this this morning. Uh, I was just fine watching this game. Um, wasn't thinking of that. Um, Tottenham, not many chances created. I mean, it did feel like it's weird. There were it felt like there were some opportunities that could have fallen to Timo Werner, but they couldn't kind of like get the service into him. Um, and he wouldn't have scored anyway. What? Well, we'll never know. It's it'll always remain a hypothetical. Could have had a hat trick, a hypothetical hat trick. Um, lots of chances the other way for City. Um, Tottenham with some kind of scary moments trying to play out from the back. Yeah. Forcing Vicario into being Vicario. He's been excellent this season, but uh I thought he was so weak on the goal. Because he's so the goal, yeah. It, like the go- I know there was some controversy around it. Look, I, I, no I see why the controversy exists. Like Ruben Diaz yeah. does. I think Diaz does know that he's jumping kind of back into him. Like, I think he knows what he's doing, but sometimes even as a fan, you have to look at something and say, okay, let's, let's reverse this. If my team just scored that goal and that got taken away from me, how would I react? And I'm fair. There's some handballs I've seen where Tottenham get away with them, where I think if I were on the other side, I wouldn't feel good about that. If this one got taken away from me, I would have lost my effing mind. Right. I mean, sometimes you have to look at it that way. Like, yes, Diaz kind of jumps into him, but I don't know. There's no, sometimes is contact in this sport. We say the goalkeepers are so overprotected. That, yeah, like, he was. I don't know. He was. He was just a bit weak in jumping for it. Be more aggressive, and he, you could see he was kind of disappointed with himself. He was shaking his head at full time. He was like, uh, he, "I'm." Was he I'm shaking sure. it at himself, or was he shaking it at the the decision? Because Tottenham seemed mad he, afterwards. Nah, I don't know. I, yeah, maybe, maybe it was. I, 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 if if I think I know Ange, and I think I do know Ange, uh, I think he'd be like, just forget it, mate. It's, it's done. It's like you just have to be a bit better on your feet. Don't let yourself get bodied that way so easily, and 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 attack the ball more aggressively. No. It's it's a it's a tough one because there's so little space for him to get round and try and get a punch in. So he's always going to be reaching around a little bit. Oh, but I mean, it's it's one of those where it's a great ball by De Bruyne too. Oh, it's very God, good. He's ball. so it's good. I don't know ball. how he didn't score late in that game. I mean, Van de Ven kind of got back and forced. I guess De Bruyne to put his shot a little wide, but he should have scored. Yeah, he's he's just a great player. God, just as a side note, it's like sometimes it's hard for me to believe that like Tottenham were like the cup club. Like that was like they're like we're the team that's going to win a lot of cups. Like they're so not that. Anymore. No, they're but they go not. on a good like, run. They go on a good run. That was the thing. Like and it, yeah. and that a lot of that comes from the sixties and the. No, 70s. I know, I know. Even into the eighties, though. Like, yeah. Um, but they're just they're just not. And look, Tottenham, they're a good cup team. What, what does that mean? They're going to run. Oh, okay. But that's also when they were their their status wasn't. You know, it was. Diminishing significantly, so they were they weren't seen as a top top side. So a cup, a good cup run, good cup side, yeah. fair enough. Now, look, in fairness to them, like every other team in all of England might have lost this tie. Like it was, they were playing Manchester City, who's the best team in the country, arguably. So, like that's a little bit tough, but still, you know, they don't they don't win trophies. Like I don't I don't know. I I would love to go back to them being a cup club again. Um, JJ quickly Liverpool they win their first match since the Klopp news. Um I know Jurgen wanted or expected or whatever I don't know this to not be made into a big deal. How did it all how did it all look and play out? I mean there was the massive Jurgen Klopp banners on the cop. Um right. there was the the 
the singing of his name after the game, the Jurgen Klopp song was sung sung well after the game had, had ended. Um, I thought it was fine. I thought Klopp was just sat there a little bit kind of pensive before the game as if what's going to happen here now? Like what's, um, are they going to, are they going to go crazy here? Is it going to be like some kind of mad emotional thing that I definitely don't want? I thought it was fine though. I thought it was okay. Um, it's, it's, it's like he, he must know. And Liverpool as a club must know the genie is being released. Now Pandora's box is open, whatever metaphor or, you want for it. So it's it's going to be swirling around in some form or another until May. And and that's just the facts of it. But I, I didn't think it was too bad. It was maybe slightly more emotionally charged for a you know an afternoon game against Norwich in the cup than you would generally expect. Um now uh there's been you know much wailing and gnashing of teeth from Liverpool supporters and from people who are not Liverpool supporters. Uh, about this decision and the announcement of the decision on Friday. Uh, John Nicholson, who's always a good read on Football 365, he has the antidote to that, Andrew. He has a, a slightly different theme uh, going for him. Uh, so uh, he he doesn't believe this is uh, normal or, or correct behavior, the way people have acted since hearing this terrible, terrible news. Uh, John writes, making him into someone who is to be worshipped is actually a bit insulting because it ignores the personal characteristic characteristic flaws innate to human existence. You don't really love him. You've just created a kind of avatar to worship. This kind of hero worship is dangerous because it suspends critical thinking and replaces it with fan devotion. People who aren't members of the Tory party are seldom all good or all bad. All I'm asking is for some nuance in appreciation of Klopp. It's the same with Guardiola, who isn't thought of as a human, so complete is someone, some people's devotion. It's as though he's regarded as a football management bot. It's okay, but doesn't allow for human traits or development or decay. Jürgen will leave and we'll forget about him. He'll become a nostalgia theme. That is the sobering nature of the beast and how it should be. All the words written, all the podcasts broadcast about this man that seems so important now won't be remembered or appreciated in a year, and we'll wonder what all the fuss was about. Oh, wow. The force of the man is greater than his domestic titles is a conversation that can't be held in this worship bubble. One league title, one Champions League is good, not great. That's not an insult, just a correction to the huge acclaim, just reality. Now, I would like to just say, I don't agree with almost any of that, but I can see why someone might write it. Um, and And I do think, the one league title, the one Champions League, that is, if you just say it as boldly and as plainly as that, you remove a lot of significant context into how those things were achieved and how difficult it has been for anyone to achieve them in this current era. But the rest of it, I just don't agree. I think it's wonderful that people can connect to a figure, whether it be Klopp Guardiola, Harry Redknapp, uh, Brian Clough back, back in the day, Sir Bobby Robson. I think it's amazing that people connect can connect to someone like that. Um, I do like people to acknowledge other people's faults, and I think people have done that generally. Certainly on this podcast, Klopp did not get an easy, complete uh, deification on Friday. Um, yeah, I, I but I thought I'd read it from John because sometimes yeah, it's, it's, it's good to, it's good to have side. a contrary contrary opinion. Yeah, I saw um, one of the animals pawing out 
when he posted a well we did our whole podcast it was all you know it was a big deal he just writes in, into the reddit page one prem one champions league in nine years meh he he, 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 wrote, he wrote he wrote he wrote one championships league i think yeah, that was an autocorrect error and i saw you there oh here he comes broline darlene broline <laughs> flying in to correct him no i just put champion no but, but that was just me being cheap uh as, as, as i think it was be. an autocorrect i thought oh yeah i'm sure I, I know what he means now look again uh if you are going to just say it boldly like that and we don't know how the end of this season is going to go then yeah you can you can you can scoff all you want but uh yeah I think well, those of us who watch the, the game week in, week out um, realize that he's been operating in a somewhat different landscape to to just that simplified version of his of well, his uh, wins and losses. At any rate, JJ, we'll go we'll go ahead. We'll take a break, and then we're going to go from uh, talking now about the the top of the English football pyramid. We're going to go slide on down a little bit, a little bit closer to the bottom, where the story of this FA Cup has been occupied by Maidstone United. Just an incredible story. And one of their players, an American, Connor Kelly, he will join us next. Can't wait for that. More Caught Offside still to come. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oh, back now. Caught offside, JJ, just unbelievable things happening in the FA Cup. We're talking before about Liverpool and Manchester City and United and Rashford, but quite honestly, it's kind of the refreshing thing in this tournament. I don't think people care nearly as much about that as they do what's been going on with Maidstone United. They have emerged clearly as this year's FA Cup Cinderella story following their uh, they're stunning 2-1 upset of Ipswich, and now they find themselves in the fifth round of the tournament, one of just 16 remaining clubs. Unbelievable. And like we mentioned, one of the players on this club is Connor Kelly, who hails from Rumson, New Jersey, midfielder from Maidstone. And we're so excited to be able to talk with him now. Connor, what's up, man? How are you? I'm good. I'm I'm over the moon, honestly. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, of course. I mean, we'll, we'll start with today and we'll, we'll kind of work our way back. But I just have to ask you, because it's the thing that I've been thinking about. Is this, was it surreal, like waking up today and knowing that Maidstone United is currently a club being talked about in all corners of the globe. I mean, how is this crazy for you to kind of comprehend that? Yeah, it's nuts. Even like, you know, I, I read the news every day and just read the news and I'm like, oh my God, like there's a picture of our whole team and, and scrolling through Twitter and Instagram and just, you know, seeing our faces pop up. It, it's crazy. It's still, it still hasn't fully sunk in. I don't think it will until, you know, we're together again, like as a group, because, you know, I haven't seen a lot of the guys since, since the match, you know, I'll see him at training tomorrow, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been crazy. 
What what do you expect training to be like tomorrow? Uh, guys just absolutely buzzing, flying into tackles because they're desperate to get a, a spot on the team for the next round. Yeah, probably. It's uh, it's interesting. It, we're playing a team called Punjab United in the Kent Cup uh, quarterfinals. <laughs> so a lot of the boys that have been struggling for minutes are going to play, and then the starters are going to have like a training of their own. And and I've been injured for the past few months, so I'll be in in the morning, and then at the game at night. So yeah, it's definitely kind of like a comeback uh, to reality. That's for sure. We're not playing championship clubs every week. Oh, uh, so Connor, just, can you just do this, a, do us a favor and like describe Maidstone United for us here in America? We know they're six tier club. Are they, are they, they're in Kent. Are they prominent in the Kent area or, or even among the local sports scene there? Are they generally not spoken about very often? Like where, where do they kind of fall in the sports culture of that area? Yeah, we're, we're quite a big team in Kent. So Kent's about an hour train ride outside of London. Maidstone's a town of 100,000 people. Um, yeah, it's it's quite a big club. We were in the National League last season, the fifth tier, relegated this season. But, you know, we have a great fan base. I would say we get at least 2,000 for every home match. Um, and, yeah, the fans are very passionate. I mean, we sold out the allocation of, of 4,500 tickets to Ipswich. So, yeah, we're quite a big club. Obviously, we're you know, a ways away from like the big boys that people always think about when they think of English football. But, uh, you know, th- there's life down in the, in the national South as well. Uh, there certainly is life. Uh, <laughs> and your fans were lively and, and the team was lively. Apart from uh, players getting cramped towards the end and, and desperately kind of trying to clear your lines, were, were you surprised at how comfortable um, I won't say comfortable, that's not the right word, but how, how well Maidstone played against a team that's been absolutely flying in the championship? Um, not like, yes and no, you know, I have, you know, first off the, the management staff led by George Elikobi, Craig Fagan, uh, Zach Foster Krause, they've done such a good job of like instilling belief into every one of us. You know, I think, you know, maybe a few times when they hit the post early on, you're like, this could be a, a long day, but yeah, you know, as the, as the game goes on, I, I, I didn't, I never felt comfortable, I would say, but I, I believe the entire time that, that we could get a good result. Um, you know, it's, it's way, it's way worse not playing, to be honest. I think you feel the nerves a lot more, but, uh, yeah, you know, we have some very good players on our team, players that could play probably a ways higher. I think we have management staff that'll go in to do great things in the game. And, you know, if you catch anyone on their day, you know, anything can happen. That's the magic of the FA cup as well. Yeah. I just, I mean, how do you get from. Uh, Count Basie Park in, in in Red Bank all the way to to the FA Cup Portman Road. How did how did that happen? Yeah, so I guess like a, a little background on myself. I played at Duke. I went there for four years, and you know I, I was injured for for the two years after I committed. So I barely played going right. into Duke, and it, it was you know it was a bit of a transition. Did my four years there? Didn't have the impact that I wanted. Wasn't the right place for me football wise, in, in all honesty. And then. Did a fifth year at NC State, had a really good season, was all ACC, uh, had the most goals for a midfielder. And I was like, okay, I have English citizenship and I, right. I want to come play in England, but we'll, we'll see what happens. And uh, yeah, I didn't get drafted, which was unfortunate. And then, yeah, I had plans to come over to England last January that fell through, went on trial with some USL clubs. And while I was doing that, I got pretty bad ankle injury. I was out for 46 weeks. 
And from there, there's really no window of getting signed in, in the U.S. So I made a decision. I was like, I'm going to take a leap of faith here. I emailed like 25 agencies in England. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I have to I have to get games. You know, it's been it's been so long. So uh, Count Basie Park is about 10 minutes from my house. So I played, you know, for FC Monmouth. It was great. My brother, my <laughs> mom, my dad, my sister all came out to watch. And right. yeah, I got about five games in there and then uh, came over here in June. Tried with a few clubs, but the second I stepped in at Maidstone, I knew it was the right place for me. And uh, yeah, it's it's been uh, you know it's had ups and downs, obviously with injuries, but I, I've loved being here. It's been the best experience of my life so far. That's awesome. I, I mean, you said you had English citizenship. I mean, can you give us your background? Did you grow up in like a in a soccer family? This was this was the sport you play. So yeah, my dad played American. Both my parents are from New York. Uh, my dad came over for work for what was supposed to be four months, uh, right after he got married to my mom. And then I think after about six months, he was like, you should probably move over here too. It doesn't look like I'm going back anytime soon. So they stayed for 14 years, had me and my two siblings and yeah, my mom played, uh, football, soccer, uh, growing up. And yeah, I was, uh, they just kind of put me in like a, a local Saturday league kind of thing at the park. And I just fell in love with it. And then I would go to Chelsea games all the time. I was, you know, a 10 minute walk from Stanford bridge growing up. So, and it was a great side that I first started watching. My first season going to matches was the 2004, 2005 season for Chelsea. Oh. So yeah, I just fell in love with football from, from that day forward. And then, yeah, I moved back to the U S when I was seven or eight and uh, yeah, just, you know, it's been the only thing I've thought about since basically. Can I can I ask you about your teammates uh, yesterday, specifically the goal scorers, uh, Lamar Reynolds and um, Sam Corn? Because it, it, there's one thing that stood out about about those goals was it, it wasn't the typical scrappy ball breaks in the box or a flicked on header. I mean, Reynolds' finish was so good, uh, clipping it over the Ipswich goalkeeper, and and Corn's finish, brilliant, brilliant first touch to set himself up to slot at home, like. There seemed the standard of play for for Maidstone. Like, how would you rate the players you play with? You know, it's it's funny. So when I was looking to come over here in January, I was you know in discussions with some League Two clubs, and I remember like thinking, no, oh, National South, I don't know what to expect. The quality of football, or the quality of some teams, but just like how hard it is to win a match in our league is yeah. is incredible. You know, but so. We have really good quality. I would say we're a team that does like to keep the ball, but our fitness levels are are incredible. And I'm I'm not really surprised at, at you know those moments of quality. I think one thing I've learned from this run is, you know, I think we do stuff quite similar to guys at the highest level. The it's just the little things, the yeah. consistency. You know, maybe the half a second that they can get the ball off their foot quicker. But in terms of quality, you know, I see I see brilliant stuff at training every day. And uh, yeah, I wasn't surprised at all with the with the quality of those finishes. I have to say, Lamar's was actually probably one of the best finishes I've ever seen with that <laughs> weak footed chip. So maybe I was slightly surprised at that, but other than that, uh, no. Nah. Uh, Connor, I saw that. Um, I saw you posted the video of your manager George Elakobi, his team talk, and you chimed in with, uh, "Ready to run through a brick wall right now." What kind of manager is he? What's it like playing for him? Uh, he's he's the best. He's he's probably, you know, the best person I, I've met in football in terms of, of management. He's he he just creates such a, a welcoming environment. 
you know, the, the basis is just give everything. And that's all you have to do when you play for him. He, he talks about how he was as a player and he always says, you know, he wasn't the most talented player, but he played over 50 matches in the Prem. He had, you know, a career that we'd all dream of. And he's kind of instilled his, his like philosophies into us. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm so lucky that this is my first professional environment. All the guys on the team have, have said that to me, actually. Like, you don't understand, like, how nice of a, a place this is to come in. And, hmm. and I, I can tell you, like, it, I was joking a bit, but I, I promise you the whole team was ready to run through a brick wall for, for him and for the club and, and for the entire staff. You know, it's, it, it's just such a together environment, which is, which is so nice to be a part of, especially, you know, now that I'm out, you know, everyone has been so good to me the entire time. And, yeah, it's, it's just been a joy to be a part of. Yeah, Connor, it, it, there's a togetherness there and it all uh, formed around Adele in the dressing room singing. You guys were singing someone like you. How how does that happen? Where did that come from? So it just it just came on. We were singing something. Oh, we were singing Sweet Caroline before that, which is a bit more upbeat. And right. that was like the second song that came on. I'm like, that's kind of a, a finisher, you know, like I wanted to keep the party going a bit. But uh, yeah, it was it was good. It was a nice moment. You saw one of the guys, uh, a 17-year-old who's a local boy, Riley Court, you know, crying his eyes out, which was, uh, I'm sure he's going to get made fun of uh, tomorrow. But, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was nice to see. Um, Connor, you mentioned before you guys have a, a game coming up against, I think it was you said Punjab United. Your next FA Cup match, it's going to be either at Sheffield Wednesday or Coventry City on February 26th. You got about a month. I mean, can you can you talk a little bit about, like, is it hard to refocus on – league play knowing what awaits you a month from now as the FA cup continues? Like in some ways, yes. But you know, at the end of the day, the bread and butter is the league. You know, we want promotion as well. And, you know, right now I think we're fourth and the top uh, places two through seven get promotions or playoff. uh, So a chance of promotion. And uh, yeah, we, we just kind of have to, do our best at taking it game by game. Obviously we're all human. It is hard. Um, but, you know, I think it'll be on some players' minds, but I know once like everyone steps across like the white line, like, you know, they're just focused on winning that day. When you saw the draw, were you not that, not to say disappointed, but was there part of you that was like, come on, give us city Liverpool, something like, were you, were you rooting for one of those kind of days out? Oh, it was it was tough because there were three teams left in the pot. Um, well, first off, I w- I wanted Chelsea. Like okay. that's what I right. wanted. I, I I wanted Chelsea, or I'd take United away, Liverpool away, City away. But when we were sitting there with three teams left, it was us, Luton, and Man City. So my favorite player, I have two, Ross Barkley and Jack Grealish are, are probably my mm. two favorite players to watch. So I was like, I could meet my favorite players, exchange shirts, and you know we got. We didn't get a Premier League side. They're two absolutely massive clubs with, with great history. Um, but, yeah, it, it would have been lovely to go play in front of, you know, 75,000 at Old Trafford. But one thing I did say afterwards was we wanted that in the third round. And if we had gotten that in the third round, who knows? Maybe we, would, we wouldn't have gotten to the fifth. Right. So maybe maybe this is how it's supposed to happen. Maybe we're supposed to make the quarters. Who who knows? But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we have to respect whoever we're playing and and – they're massive clubs. So it'll be a, a fantastic experience. And I'm sure everyone will come around to be, to be absolutely buzzing for it. 
Connor, um, so like it's a month away now, um, and you're you're trying you're recovering from an injury right now, correct? Yeah. So right. yeah, I I did uh ankle ligaments back in September and played on it through October, and I I don't think I'll be able to play in the next round, unfortunately. But yeah, it's been it's been hard, but you know it is what it is. It happens. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, you know, psychologically, the next month for for all the players, uh, it, it, I mean, it's going to be tough to focus on the league, right? Though, because 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 of what's just happened. Yeah, listen, it won't be easy, but you know, we're going to have to do it. At the end of the day, if we if our cup run goes awry, we don't want to look at the league table and be like, "Damn, we should have focused yeah. a bit more on the league." You know, we we one thing we've talked about is having no regrets after every match and at the end of the season. So. You know, it, it will be tough, but, you know, that, that's part of the job is you have to be able to juggle emotions uh, and, you know, in different matches. And, and yeah, I think we'll do that. Uh, and, and I know we'll be helped along by the leaders of the club, the, the management, the captain, vice captain. Everyone will be uh, emphasizing the importance of each game. Sure. Something I'm just wondering about, because um, out of my own curiosity, you know, we, we do this podcast. We're based in the New York area. I'm from Philadelphia originally. JJ spent time in New Jersey. You know, an American soccer player going over to England carries, I don't know if there's certain expectations with that of what people think they're getting or not getting, but I'm wondering if even beyond that, does New Jersey, is that like, I know here in the United States, Jersey is thought of a certain way. There's like a a brashness, a toughness. Does that even like carry over across the Atlantic to England? Like, is there a reputation that people expect from you because you're from Jersey? Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't, you know, to be honest, their geography knowledge of America is quite poor. I've been asked <laughs> a bunch if New Jersey is part of New York, which I'm very quick to dispel as a, somebody who's very proud to be from Jersey. But uh, yeah, it's, you know, they, it's been hard. It's been not hard being American, but, uh, you know, they don't, they don't expect that much in a way. I think they're very <laughs> proud people here. I remember when I was on trial, I, I came in. Two plays I was on trial, my nickname was Captain America. And I would have a good training. They'd come in and be like, yo, you're actually good. And I'd be yeah. like, well, thanks. Like, you know, I, I, that, I think so too. But, uh, you know, they, they don't expect much. And then I think people have, have come to really appreciate that I'm from America. I, I have a few of the boys that are going to come over and visit me this summer, which will be really nice. Um, but, yeah, no, I don't think they know too much about New Jersey. So I'm eager to show them. Nice. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last one for me, Connor. Uh, do you do you see? Uh, I mean, it's a crazy question at this point with everything going on. But do you see yourself trying to to stay and carve out a career in England, or do you see a, a finite amount of time there before you come back and maybe you'll try and play here? What's what's the general plan? And uh, to be honest, I think I'll spend my whole career over here. I, okay. I absolutely love it over here. Uh, just the. I don't know the the fan culture, the how much people love the game here. It's, it it just can't compare, to be honest. Um, mm. You know, and I I love the U.S. I love like football in the U.S., but it's just a different level over here. And you know, one thing that I've I've really enjoyed is is seeing people get breaks over here. You know, people move up the leagues here. I'm in the U.S. You don't really move clubs mid-season. You could be banging in twenty goals in the second division, and you might not even get a chance at the first division you right know, versus here you get i mean a boy i played against uh a few weeks back is is on trial with brentford now you know mm-hmm. it, so, it's there's so much more mobility and i love the fact that 
you know, if we win the league, we'll go up next year. Right. You know, that is it. That is just something that is, is just so special. And I I love being a part of it. So yeah, it's, you know, listen, I, I always say we make plans and, uh, and God laughs, but, uh, yeah, it's if my my goal would be to stay over here and carve out a career and, and see what happens after. I'd love to stay in football after, whether it's being an agent or a coach. So yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be shocked if uh if I'm only back in the states uh for the summers in the future. But and and look, we can send you pork roll or anything you need that you miss from home from Jersey. You know, oh my God, the amount that I miss pork roll is crazy. <laughs> I miss pork roll so much. So good. And my, my parents actually have a, a chicken wing restaurant uh, called G Wings 22 in West Long Branch. Oh. And I have been craving their chicken wings for the past six months. Like there's just no chicken wings over here that uh, that will compare. So I know the first uh, the first stop after landing at Newark Airport will be straight to G Wings. Nice. That's a good plug. <laughs> yeah. I want to go now. We'll check it out. Yeah. yeah. Um, hey. Yeah, yeah, sure. Just name drop me. They'll take care of you. Brilliant. All right. <laughs> Listen, Andrew will turn up and he will expect to be covered. So, you know, uh-huh, yes. yeah, you you'll, be, you'll be hearing from me. If not, uh, we're going to have a big problem. Uh, Connor, this is awesome. Your guy's story, your story. It's so much fun. February 26th. We'll be locked in for sure. And who knows, maybe, uh, maybe we'll have to catch up with you again. If things keep on progressing through in the FA cup or even not, we'd love to catch up with you and just talk soccer. This is awesome, man. Thanks again for giving us some time. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. Thank you so much guys. Connor Kelly, oh, that was that was awesome. Uh, but it, that was it's a lot so of fun. Cool. Yeah, I mean, just so having coached in Jersey, I feel like I've met him somewhere before. Like, just enthusiastic, <laughs> absolutely loves the game, wants the ball out all the time. Brilliant! What an experience! Imagine. I mean, <clears throat> I used to coach a team at Red Bank at Count Basie Park. No, no disrespect to Count Basie Park; it's it's a fine facility, and I think it's been renovated since I was last there. But for, to go from there to be stepping out on Portman Road on the grass with your team for an FA Cup game against Ipswich Town, top of the championship, that's that's unbelievable. That's why this game Incredible. is amazing. It's so fun. It's so and fun. It's, and it is interesting on a serious note what Connor talks about mobility. Like you hear what he said there. He feels like, you know, you play well enough, there's a chance for you to go up the divisions and be taken by. And he loves the fact that there's promotion as well. There's a reward. Well, I mean, look, we've been... Everyone, yeah. knows, there's no secrets here. We all know no. this. It's just for the, the structure of MLS, it's not a reality. Like, that's why people think I'm pro, I'm against promotion relegation because I say we shouldn't be talking about this. It, we, I say we shouldn't be talking about it, not because I don't think it's good. Of course, it's amazing. It would be no. incredible to have it. Yeah, we, we don't talk about it because it's not It's not based in reality here. It's never going to happen here. No, it's just not. These owners are not putting in this money no for these franchises if they think there's some jeopardy of them falling out. They're just, it's just not going to happen. That's no, why I say it's not worth talking about. Yeah, yeah. But but you're also a shill for Don Garber. <laughs> That's not fair. That is not fair. You are totally in on it. You believe in it. The problem is that the aforementioned crafts and the Merritt Paulsons and the the whatevers of this world, they don't want anything to do with it. So that's fair. And it's, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just not how it is. And by the way, I want to say one other thing that Connor mentioned there that it gives, I think it can give you, JJ, you've been here long enough now, you get it. But, but like people outside of this country, a, a window into why us American soccer loving people are the way that we are. I don't care how many English people, when you interview them about Americans and playing soccer, they all say, they all say the same standard line. Oh, no one cares about that. If you can play, you play. That's not true. That's not true. It's a lie. <laughs> don't believe any Englishman or Spaniard or German. It's a lie. 
inherently when america when an american steps onto a soccer field they have to prove themselves in a way that is different from everyone else out there it's just a fact we don't have to run from it but it's why americans have a chip on their shoulder when it comes to this sport because inherently whether it's me talking about it, people hear my accent, oh, he doesn't know anything. Whether it's Connor stepping on the field, the inherent belief before he kicks a ball is, oh, he's an American, he's not any good. And then what did he say? He starts playing and they say to him, wow, you're actually good. That's yeah, the feeling know. around Americans. It just I it, think... it's, We don't have to hide from it or run from it. This is an accepted truth. I don't want to hear any more English soccer players say, oh, no, that's rubbish. You know, If you can play, you play. We don't even see what, what country. It's not true. It's a lie. Don't believe it. It's a lie. Yeah, but like it's it. I, as he was saying, as he was speaking those words, I knew exactly that the English reaction to him would be: first of all, he won't be able to trap a ball; he won't be able to do anything. He won't. He he'll his his running stride will be like Frank the Tank running naked down the street or something <laughs> like that. They'll have all these kind of like built up prejudices, and then they'll be shocked at how good he actually is. Standard, but again. New Jersey in particular, it's in New Jersey, Long Island, uh, Pennsylvania. If you've coached or been around youth soccer there, but you've come from Ireland or England or Scotland or wherever, you're actually taken aback by these guys. These guys are decent. Like that's yeah. the thing because because we don't believe we, and we've been told often by Americans that there isn't a soccer culture in this country. That now that is, is true. That Who is, is it? incorrect. Is it a- is it Alexi Lalas who always talks about the soccer culture here and say, we will eat our own? Like, it is true. We do undermine ourselves in many ways. Always. We, do, we, we pretend. And we meet, I meet so many people. Oh, when will soccer? The question we've been asked so many times, and especially when we were on ESPN joining other people's shows, God bless them all, they'd ask us, when do you think, right at the end, when do you think soccer is going to catch on here? And I'm like, we're just on a podcast that's been running for the past six or seven years talking about it we get we get great numbers it has caught on just right. because you don't know about it just because it's not on the today show every day it doesn't right. mean that, it has- that was always followed immediately by boy can you just imagine if ladanian tomlinson played soccer i mean if you put, <laughs> if chris paul put a soccer ball at his foot instead of a basketball in his hand how good Do america you, could be how much has how much has u.s soccer lost out from lamar jackson being quarterback for the baltimore Ravens? <laughs> It's like, oh my god. Oh god. Oh god. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, oh, I thank you to Connor for carrying the American mantle and, and doing so quite proudly. I uh, listen, his United. love of pork roll as a as a former Jersey boy, I former pork eater. Um pork roll's amazing. Mm-hmm. Pork roll, egg and cheese in the morning with a cup of coffee. Face your day with 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 a full stomach. Yep. Hearty. Um, let's see before we get out, JJ, just a couple quick other things. Um, wanted to mention Egypt have gone out of AFCON. They lose on penalties to uh, the Congo. Um, and you know, we, we were talking the other day about some people believing that Mo Salah not having an AFCON trophy to his name would be a, a big blow to his legacy. Well, you can wave goodbye to this opportunity. You know, I guess yeah. it doesn't help him that they, they won three in a row kind of like right before he started up. I think their last one was in 2010. And he, mm. so a few years before he he made his debut with the national team, I think in 2014. Um, but, but I mean, if you think about it, they've had Europe's best striker, one of Europe's top three strikers for the last six or seven years. And it just, between World Cup qualifying failure and 
Um, I mean, he's had a, he's had a list of, of of just bad bad moments for the national team recently, and that has definitely impacted his legacy in terms of uh, national team football. I'm trying to think who's who's a guy who had a brilliant club career, but so far. Or not so far, but never really replicated that for the national team, and much was expected. I would well, say it was Levin... like Messi until a year ago. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, but I would say Lewandowski. Um, I would say oh, no, Lewandowski's been I don't good know for about Poland. That. Poland, Poland haven't been Poland haven't been good in general. Um, I mean, Holland is struggling from that right now. Like, yeah, Norwegian expectations with Odegaard and Holland, you know, are fairly elevated and it hasn't really worked out but it's I mean you could probably list a bunch of England players from like from England 2000 to 2010 <laughs> 1966 to 20 what what would we give them 2018 yeah yeah i mean i'm sure i mean there's so many of, of those kinds of players we talk about that over all the time there's the country over club guys there's the club over country guys um yeah but i don't know i mean look so, it's unfortunate for sala cuz where they lose to they lose to Senegal in penalties in the final of the last one. Like he's he's gotten right to the edge. I don't know. Uh, look, I, if you watched him play, this is what I always felt about Messi too. Regardless of if, if he had won a World Cup or not. Like, did you watch him play? What were your thoughts watching him? Were you in total awe for like ten straight years? You were all right. Then he's he's a legend. Like I don't yeah. know. <laughs> no, I don't know. I mean, it's I get it. Look, we do it too. We split hairs. I understand. So yeah, I'm not saying people are wrong, but. Yeah, I, I saw Salah. I thought he was ridiculous, and that's kind of my my policy on him. Um, JJ January transfer window it's nearly shut. Um, feels like we're kind of kind of petering out here at the end. I don't know. Yeah, I we're, guess we're, we'll we're, we're almost at maximum peter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but one thing I did see that caught my eye, and it's it isn't for January necessarily, but still interesting. I'm reading this from the Daily Mirror. Uh, they write. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain are confident of winning the chase for Newcastle United crowd favorite Bruno Guimaraes. Oh, no. But the one consolation for his uh, adoring Toon fans is the French Giants won't make their move until the summer. There have been initial talks with the Brazilians' advisors, and the combative player recently visited Paris. No, it's, I don't see that happening even in the summer. Well, he has a release clause somewhere somewhere around $100 million. Now, he reportedly is happy at Newcastle, but if you just fast forward a little bit, I would say that it's likely that they will not be in the Champions League next season, may not be in any European football. Um, And they might be equally as likely to be in in need of incoming funds. So I don't know, but it could wind up being one of those sorts of moves that actually works for for all parties. Um, That would be, I mean, we've talked about Almiron. I know there was some talk about Callum Wilson. You know, those would hurt. That losing Gamares would be a, a huge blow. Now, if they get a hundred million for him for whatever the release clause is, um, who knows what they could do with that money? But will that money be enough to make up for the loss of him? Like, if you uh-huh. get two players back, two good players back for that, but one of them turns out to be a bust, and the other one is fine. Like, I don't know. For Newcastle, a club that are looking for an upward rise, it feels like losing Gamares as he's hitting his prime would be would be the wrong thing to have happen. Well, he's only been there what two two seasons and. Uh... It's not like he's tangential. He's not. I mean, it's oh, not. No, no disrespect to Miggy Almiron, but he's not Miggy Almiron. He is central to what they do. Like, no, I don't. 
I'd be surprised. I don't think he's going anywhere. Well, we'll see. I mean, PSG can make it if they activate that release clause, then it becomes it becomes in the ball's in his court. Then and we'll see. Does he want to be playing in the Champions League? How much does that matter to him? Uh, I don't know. I guess before before we do get out, we should just yeah. make a quick comment on what happened in the uh, the Black Country Derby mm-hmm. uh, between West Brom and Wolves, where I mean, six arrests have been made on Sunday. The police are reviewing further footage. Uh, Thirty eight minutes of a stop. Um, it was after Cunha's second goal, which really put the game beyond uh, West Brom, and uh, there was crowd disturbance at the at the far side of the ground, not the not the away end where the Wolves fans were. And um, in total, uh, the Guardian said in total there were six arrests made, five during the game and one beforehand. With ages ranging from sixteen to fifty eight, the men were held on a variety of offences ranging from brandishing a corner flag to assaulting a police officer. I saw one guy being taken out with his head, just like completely gashed blood all over his face. Um, yeah. What's, I mean, can you, can you enlighten me a little bit as to the, uh, what, the, well, what the anger of that, of that Derby? Uh, not I, honestly, because both of them would have occupied the lower tiers of English football for, for the majority of the last 30, 40 years. Um, I didn't realize it was quite as charged as this. I, di- I didn't realize there was that amount of, of hatred. Uh, Chief Inspector Tim Robinson of West Midlands Police said, what we saw yesterday was completely unacceptable violence directed at both fans and officers, which sadly led to the suspension of the game. No football fan wants to see that. It's important to stress, however, that it was a very much a minority of fans involved in the trouble and the vast majority of supporters were a credit to their clubs. We'll be working with both clubs and the FA. Those involved in the disorder can expect to receive club bans and wider football banning orders. Um... The interesting thing was, uh, he goes on, our policing operation was very much targeted against those who we know or suspect are involved in football violence and our priority at all times is keeping people safe. So, you know, that suggests there's there's these ongoing people who engage in, in, in football violence and they're known to the police still. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if it's, if it's still organized in firms of people or if it's much more an individual uh, thing, but that's... That's a throwback to the 1980s, the 1990s, um, that kind of organized violence. So very disappointing. Yeah, yeah. looked like that. Pretty crazy. Um, JJ, that's about all I got on this one. This was a great, this was a great one. Very enjoyable Ravi podcast to do. Maidstone. Yeah. I mean, we're going, we're talking Barcelona and Maidstone United all in, in the same pod. That's what you get. Rumson, New Jersey, please. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. I should say before we get out, uh, so we're recording this Monday morning. Sunday was a, a tough day in my house. My oldest Amazing. son. This my is stunning. Old, my oldest son, Jack. So a couple things. There were a lot. I feel bad. I, I airing his dirty laundry on the show. Like it's not fair to him. But I mean, he's young enough to still have dirty laundry. So continue. <laughs> but like it was a. He had a. It was just a, an all around rough day. Like I spoke a couple weeks ago about how he had gotten Minecraft. And he's been playing that. And I, I gotta get I gotta hand it to him. He's been really good. I think he knows that this is there's a delicate balance that he's got to walk here. And if he if he runs afoul of it, I've got the power to take it away from him. So he's been very good about it. Um and to his credit, the game he doesn't use the game for fighting and killing. Like you can do that. He uses it for building. Like he wants to build a world. It's like it's like digital Legos. Like yeah. you know, so he's building a whole world. Well, it's spent, a better place for all of us. He's trying to do that. He's working real hard at that. Um so he's he's built this world and it's cool. I'll go down and watch him and, and tell him what I think of it. I'll do this over like maybe you want to do that over here. Like he's really into it and it's it's been fine. So I'm upstairs getting lunch ready for him and his brother, and all of a sudden it's been quiet. 
Like they're clearly intent on whatever's going on in the game. I know they're playing Minecraft. All of a sudden I just hear like the the sound of crying happening well, out of nowhere. Yeah, intensifying it, crying. It's happening out, it's happened out of nowhere. And usually if it's because him and his brother are fighting, it's because like I can hear what's going on. I hear commotion. This was silence and then sudden crying. So I thought, oh God, something bad has happened. I go downstairs and he's he's hysterical. And all he can say to me through his tears are, I spawned a wither. I spawned a wither. I said, you, what a what? I, I don't know what any of this means. And so he finally calms down. And he I look on the spawned a wither. I spawned a wither is what Ooh. he kept saying. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Help me, Jack, understand what this means. And I look at the screen and there's some creature that is dropping bombs on everything that he has spent the last few weeks creating. Oh, no. It's devastating. So it's, I guess I've come to find it. So I immediately Google it because I feel terrible for him. So I want to help him. Uh, it, JJ, it was like a scene, you know, in Apollo 13, when they're trying to like, they get all the guys together to try to figure out how to fix the module. Or that was what was going on in my basement yesterday. I'm on my phone. I'm trying to figure out how to kill this thing. And he's crying. He's trying to create potion. I don't know. It was, it was crazy. It was a crazy thing. He made this creature come alive that destroys everything. It was really sad. He finally killed it and he rebuilt everything that was destroyed. But it was, there were a few moments there where I felt sick for him because I know how hard he's been working on this. And then last night, Weirdly, he in the beginning of the season, he's an Eagles fan. Um, but he said at the start is of the he? year, well, he is. He always makes a point of saying that he he loves the Eagles, but then he always has a follow up line where he says, "And the Lions." I don't know why. There's no one from Detroit in my family. They're Ooh, not uniforms. Good team. That, I think that's it. But he didn't know they were good. I think he likes their uniforms. I think he likes the animal, the lion. Like I think there's. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. But he's been saying that all year. Sure enough, they found themselves in the NFC Championship game last night. And to Jack's credit, he's always been like meh on sports. In the last few months, he's been getting more into it, and that's fine. But this week, leading up to this game, it's all he talked about. It was every day. Are they playing today? Like he couldn't, he, you know, kids in their sense of time. But he's going on and on. So the game happens, and JJ, he watched every single second of it. And he was as locked in as I was. I mean, he did he was in, he was fully in and my God, that is a tough indoctrination into what it is to be a sports fan. That was brutal. He, and like, it's so interesting because he doesn't really know how to be a fan yet. He's just learning, but my God, it was like, he, it was like he knew how to act like late in the game. He did all the same. It was like, I was watching myself. Like, you know, me when my, when things start to go bad, what do I do? I'm not a yeller or I get quiet. I completely, I stop talking. I just, I get silent. That's the kind of fan I am. Some people yell and scream. I go quiet. He was, he didn't speak from like the middle of the third quarter on, except for the, the occasional, he would just, I'd hear him mumble and just go, oh, come on. He must've said that a thousand times. Oh, come on. With every first down they gave up with their turnover. Oh, come on. It was, it was, and then the Niners scored the touchdown to go up 10 and he lost it. He lost it. And I felt so horrible. I hadn't seen you that felt yet. felt horrible enough that you had to record it though. Well, cause I, I wish someone had documented that. I want to see what I was like. Like I wish somebody, cause I did that. I did those things mm. as a kid. I would cry. I mean, the Sixers were God awful. We had season tickets pre Iverson and like before a game, a random game against like the Cavs. My parents would have to tell me before we go in. Now, Andrew, you know, they're not very good because I cried after every game. 
<laughs> it's just how I was. So it was like I got on an effing time machine and was looking at myself. Like it was crazy looking but at it's it. A, I think it's a lovely thing. It's it's I, like it, that kind of, I say lovely. You don't want to see your kid hurt or in any kind of. Anguish. I really felt I felt terrible because this is one where sometimes you like he look, he cried playing Minecraft. I can't relate to that. Like, I don't I don't know what's going on a wither. Fine. But like, this is one that I could I could so relate. <laughs> I could so relate to his emotions of like hey, learning listen, to become a fan and learning to deal. Like, listen, if he starts, if, if you're watching a World War Two documentary again and he starts welling up at the bombing of Dresden, then, you know, he's your son. <laughs> but it was just, I found it so relatable and I, it was so sad. Like I really felt bad for him. Cause I, I just knew what he was feeling as a oh, fan no, at man. that age that you don't know I, how to channel those emotions. I can hard. get back. I can, I can re-inhabit my mindset and, and, and my, and my, and my body when I was, when I was, uh, when Ireland were beaten by Austria uh-huh. and we're, we, it was clear we weren't going to qualify directly and we didn't qualify at all for Euro 96. It was the last campaign under Jack Charlton. We lost three one away in Vienna, and I was just enraged and just and but but I was crying and I went down and I, I ripped all my posters down off the wall and then put them back up somber. Oh, you have to, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's just, tough being. A, yeah, it, no, ma- it made me wonder as I was watching because I said to him at one point, you know, I'm trying to say the right things and I'm just like Jack, like this is. I was like. Sometimes being a fan, this is what happens. Like you lose tough games. And I was texting with my friends a little bit. And like we were saying, sadly, like the, the brutal losses far outnumber the great wins. They just do. And it makes you wonder, like, why do we do this? Like, why and are we so why, invested that, in something that is guaranteed to create in, in like in incalculable amounts of of pain? Why? Like, Why? We, 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 I mean, it's the risk we take. All of life's a wager, Andrew, and we do it in relationships too. I mean, sport is just that in a different realm. Like you, you go into a relationship I mean, for this, you, yeah, for the, that. The way that loss played out, that collapse by them. That I mean, if that's a relationship, that's like your first girlfriend cheating on you with your be- your best friend, your brother. Uh, <laughs> like, who else? Like, All right, okay, we get the picture. Jesus, yeah, everyone, no, I, I, I think it's a block. good thing. I listen, listen. You were not worried, but you weren't worried. Um, no, no. But you were you were aware that he was not a huge, didn't appear to be a huge sports fan. Well, he's only he in knows, second grade. I don't. He's got his. I don't know what his first I had in second grade. Well, I was obsessed with sports. Actually, that's not true. But I was I was weird. I was a yeah, weird but, kid. And so it continues. But but like he, this was a glimpse yesterday of like, oh, he. I wasn't sure if he had the gene. He is in there. Yeah, and that and that's lovely. Um, I keep hearing that. Oh, come on. And oh, that sounds, so and that's sad. you. That, and he gets that from you. I know that phrase is from you. Same kind of. He looked You're like doing me. this to him. He looked like me as he, the way he right. got quiet as it was playing out and just kept mumbling that. Oh, it the was the only way you can. The only way you can save him now is if you really get into knitting really quickly and consistently for the next six years. Then you have a chance to pull him away. Otherwise, it's done. It's that, that's the only hope, huh? Knitting. There's nothing. <laughs> Nothing else I, we can do. Why was that the first hobby that I, comes into my brain? I don't know. I, mean, I think the image of you knitting was just, you know, just we'll, we'll all demoral, live demoralizing and humiliating enough that it we'll pops just, in my brain. We'll, we'll leave everyone with that. Um, this was great. We'll have another one, of course, coming up later this week. Our thanks to Connor Kelly. That was awesome. Uh, a midfielder from Maidstone United. Very cool as they head into the fifth round of the FA Cup. Unbelievable stuff. JJ, this was great. To you, I say. Check you later, fun boy. I'll see you. Take care. 
You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.